Welcome to the weekly Comic Web Old Time Radio Program podcast. We sell old time radio programs, Golden Age comics in PDF format, and we have other free podcasts. Visit comicweb.com for more information or find us on Facebook and iTunes. This week our podcast features an episode of Mr. President. We won't tell you which president because that's part of the fun. It first aired on May 15th, 1947. Mr. President, starring Edward Arnold. Mr. President, Commander-in-Chief of the Army and Navy, duly elected leader of his people, this is your president. And these are the little-known stories of your president, the dramatic, exciting things that happened to him that you and I, as citizens, never hear about. The story behind the man you know as Mr. President. Let's visit Mr. President in the White House. It is evening, and only one window shows a light, a study on the ground floor. We find ourselves at the front door. Come right in, please. The president's expecting you. Through that door, please. Go right in. Some visitors for you, Mr. President. Hello. Sit down, won't you? You know, before I moved in here, I had that idea, too, that the president is somehow more than a human being. But believe me, he isn't. I get aches and pains just the way you do. All kinds of things happen here in the White House most people never hear about. Let me tell you a true story that's hardly known at all. <laughs> now, uh... Which president was I when it happened? See if you can guess. Later on, I'll tell you who I am. It started the evening I came back to the White House after taking a long, brisk walk. Good evening, Captain. Are you all right, Mr. President? Well, don't I look all right? Yes, sir, but we're McGrath and Cooper. Well, I want to relieve your mind, Captain. They're the most pleasant bodyguards you've ever assigned to them. Pleasant, but they're not supposed to let you out of their sight. Well, I assure you, they didn't do it on purpose. Oh, not again, Mr. President. <laughs> You'd have appreciated my strategy, Captain. I walked into the swamp, the one by the river. They did what I expected them to do. They ran around to the other side to pick me up. But I turned right around and came out where I went in. Hannibal did that once to the Romans. <laughs> you know, I hate being followed, Captain. Those two young men are going to catch it from me. Oh, don't be hard on them, Captain. And I'm going to catch it from Miss Sarah. Oh. Well, I won't tell her if you won't. I can't fool Miss Sarah. Neither can you. I was enjoying myself thoroughly until you said that, Captain. Sorry, Mr. President. Well, however, it was fun while it lasted. <laughs> Can't you just see poor McGrath and Cooper <laughs> running around and around that swamp? 
<laughs> Waiting for me to come out? Oh, my. Good night, Captain. Good night, Mr. President. <laughs> oh, Captain. Uh, sir? Uh, don't you say anything to Miss Terry. I'll do my best. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> Come in. Your breakfast, Mr. President. Oh, you can push those papers off the table, Ralph. Yes, sir. Fried ham this morning, sir. Uh, I'm not very hungry. With two eggs like the sun coming up. I'm not hungry, really. And I... corn muffins? Hmm? And orange marmalade? Coffee? Well, I suppose I ought to eat something. You know, you shouldn't read so late, Mr. President. Uh, Ralph. Sir? These dishes. Sir? Haven't they broken the rest of this set yet? Well, they, they try not to, sir. Well, it's very hard to enjoy ham and eggs against the background of youths and maidens disporting themselves amid some kind of ruin. <laughs> Well, the food sort of covers them up, though, sir. But not these sheep on the edge. Whose dishes were they, anyway? Well, these were Mrs. President Harrison's dishes, sir. For family use only. Oh, this is a very humbling experience, Ralph. Humbling, sir? As president, I can make or break men's careers. I'm the commander-in-chief of the army and the navy, and I can write in selling letters to the potentates of 50 foreign lands. But I cannot get rid of these confounded broken dishes. <laughs> as a reminder, Ralph, there is no such thing as unlimited power. <laughs> yes, sir. More coffee, sir. Oh, please, black. Black, you was up reading too late, Mr. President. I was up late, but not reading, Ralph. That cold strike. Mm. I, I wonder what it is that makes cold people so stubborn, sir. Oh, I hope we'll be finding out soon. But, uh, Mr. President. Mm-hmm. Before you go downstairs... What is it, Ralph? Miss Sarah, sir. Well, what about her? About last night, sir. Oh, she's angry, huh? Mm, you know how she gets... Uh... Oh, I'd rather face an angry mob outside the White House than Miss Sari when she, uh, you know. Yes, sir. You should have thought of that last night, sir. Before you lost the guards in the swamp. No. <laughs> Maybe she's over it by now, huh? I, I can see you don't believe that either. Well, come along, Ralph. Miss Sari or no Miss Sari, I've got a cold strike to worry about. Good morning, Miss Sari. Good morning, Mr. President. Oh, excuse me. What? Your tie was crooked. Oh, thank you, thank you. Now, I want you to take Did a... Did you sleep well, Mr. President? Oh, yes, fine. I want you to take a memorandum... You don't to... look as if you had. Well, I'm never boisterous in the morning. Well, I can tell when you've had enough sleep and when you haven't. And why? Exactly. That's why I want you to take an important memorandum... You to don't some sleep the... well or enough. There's usually a reason. Oh, I don't know. This some... time I don't know what it was, but I know what it should have been. Of course. The cold... Conscience. What? Conscience. The uneasy conscience of a small boy with evil in his heart. Oh, what charring nonsense. Small boys of your type think it's amusing to play pranks. Pranks that worry their elders half to death. Now, Miss Sherry... If I begged you once, I begged you a hundred times. Don't go around without your bodyguard. But it's irritating to be followed. That's not important. Oh, isn't it? It's not you they're guarding. 
It's the President of the United States. Well, he can be irritated, too. And last night, losing those two poor boys in a swamp, if ever I heard a childish trick... Now, I was, uh, <laughs> I was testing out some military strategy. Hannibal did it to the Romans. He went a little Mr. way into... Mr. President, please. Well, forgive me this time, Miss Harry. Oh, it isn't a joke. Why, only this morning, the guards at the gate stopped a young man trying to force his way in. Well, why'd they stop him? Well, he had no appointment. No one knew him, and he, he behaved strangely. Oh, I wish I could see more people. Well, you can't see everybody who comes here. Besides, you have visitors all day long. Not generals and cabinet members and senators. People. What do they do with the young fellow? They send him away. You know, the more I think of him, I... I'll never mind it, sir. I made up my mind to act on the cold strike. Oh. I made up my mind last night while I was not sleeping. You see, it wasn't conscience. It was the cold strike. I'm sorry. You said you wanted to send a memorandum? Yes, chairman of the Senate Labor Committee. Mm -hmm. uh, so, I have decided not to wait any longer for the striking coal miners and the mine operators to settle their affairs by themselves. Therefore, today I am inviting a committee of the miners and the committee of the operators to meet here in the White House within ten days. I will introduce them to a sociologist of national... What? A sociologist. Uh, S-O-C-I-O. Oh, I don't spell it. I just didn't understand it. Uh, to a sociologist of national standing who will endeavor to compose their difference. This memorandum is for your private information. Send that over to the Senator by the messenger, will you, Mr. Sarian? Certainly, Mr. President. And uh, the letters of invitation? Miss Sari, I'm, I'm really sorry I distressed you over the guards. Well, I'm sorry I spoke so harshly, Mr. President. <laughs> Shake hands. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the letters of invitation? Uh, oh, yes, yes. <clears throat> uh, gentlemen, uh, send identical copies to each group. Yes, Mr. President. Gentlemen, for almost four months, the strike in the anthracite mines of Pennsylvania has been strangling the nation. Many thousands of miners and their families face cold and hunger. Further, the strike is paralyzing other industries dependent on anthracite, bringing suffering to other peoples, thousands of men, women, and children. These intolerable facts of human suffering outweigh all other considerations and need to be faced. President, the chairman of the Senate Labor Committee. Oh, yes, of course. Will you come in, Senator? Thank you, Mr. Taylor. Mr. President, as chairman of the Labor Committee of the United States Senate, I protest. I mean it, sir. Sit down, Senator. Why? They won't come. They'll turn you down. We'll be worse off than we were before. I don't see how we can be. They think it's a trick. A snare. They ought to know the President of the United States doesn't set snares. They're mean, tough-minded men. Both groups. I mean it, sir. Listen, Senator. If we, all of us, the whole country, we've been waiting and waiting for them over three months to get together of their own accord. I thought we could wait them out. 
Now I'm convinced we can't, and I've got to act. Act by all means, but don't crawl to them. Well, what do you suggest? Call those fellows in here one by one. Take their hide out one by one. But set them down opposite each other. With you watching them, you only make them more stubborn than ever. Senator, thank you for coming. I'm afraid you haven't changed my mind. Mr. President, I'm not of your party, and so I should be glad to see you make a mistake that may discredit your administration. Restrain your joy for a while, Senator. I'll take no joy in your failure, Mr. President. I'm speaking to you as a man and a fellow citizen. And as a man and a fellow citizen, what do you advise? What I've been saying. Don't do it. I mean it, sir. Senator, in my memorandum, did you notice that I'm going to introduce these committees to a sociologist? Of course. But... But he's really an expert on labor affairs. You see? Not exactly. If I call him a labor expert in the invitation, certainly I'd frighten the miners and the operators. But a sociologist? They'll be curious, Senator. Hmm. And he won't talk to them about wages and profits. He'll talk to them about the social effects of the strike on the whole country. If your meeting fails... I am president of all the people, Senator. Not of some of them. I'll call out the National Guard to operate the mines. Your next appointment. Right away, Mr. Senator, you will keep this absolutely quiet, won't you? My word, sir. Good morning. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Senator. Well, you have a full list ahead of you today, Mr. President. Well, what next? A congressional delegation from Iowa on behalf of Federal Road Building, Committee of the Women's League for Better Citizenship, to present you with a plaque. Luncheon with the cabinet. last of them, Mr. President. And that's the last time I'm going to make appointments after dinner. Thanks for staying so late. Oh, it's only nine o'clock. Oh, why don't you go home? I'm not tired. Besides, I've a little more work to do. Well, I'll leave it for the others in the morning. Well, I'll be in my own office. I'll close the door and you won't even know I'm here. You won't disturb me. I'm only going to sit here a while and, and think a little. Good night, Mr. President. Oh, um... Curry is the guard in the corridor tonight, so uh, if you take a walk later... I know, I know. Good night, Miss Sherry. Huh. Huh. Curry! Uh, yes, Mr. President? Is that you pacing up and down? Orders, Mr. President. I'm on duty. Yes, I, uh, well, very well, Curry. Yes, sir. Uh, uh, Curry, uh, Captain Drew was telling me your your wife is quite ill, isn't she? Yes, sir, she is. It must worry you a good deal, hmm? She's a rare woman, sir. Yes. Keep thinking about her. One, two, three, four. How is she? One, two, three, four. Why doesn't Mary get better? Uh, Alice. Huh? Uh, oh, yes, Alice. Yes, well, why don't you run home and see how she's feeling, Curry? 
I'm not off duty till morning, sir. Oh, nonsense, Curry. Go over and see her now. But my orders, sir, Captain Drew... No one will be the wiser, Curry. Now, take your time. Come back later, and if Captain Drew asks any questions, I'll take the responsibility. Go ahead, Curry. All right, sir. I'm very grateful, sir, because only this evening my wife... Thank you very much, sir. I won't be long. I'll go the back way. Who are you? I want to talk to you, Mr. President. Well, that's not the way to come in here. I tried the front gate this morning. Well, then you, uh... Oh, you're that young man. Yes, I couldn't get in. You haven't got time for people like me. Well, certainly you understand... I only understand one thing. Once you were for us, now you're against us. I don't have to understand anything else. Us? Look at my hands, Mr. President. Well? They got that way for mining coal, anthracite, in Pennsylvania. Now you know who I am. Sit down, won't you? Let's talk this over. Talk? I'm not here for that. Only one thing I'll say. It's got to be done. What? Move away from the desk. Why? Move away from the desk. Very well. What's got to be done? You were the man who was going to be for us. For the first time, we felt that, that this room was part of every house in the country. It's bad to have an enemy. It's worse to have a friend turn into an enemy. I don't understand you. Yes, you do, Mr. President. Coal miners believed in you, too. Look at us now. Cold, hungry, starving. You want it that way, but it can't go on. I don't want it. What turned you against us, Mr. President? What what did we do to you? Why are you fighting us? I'm not. The strike would be over if you didn't prevent it. I prevented how? You're siding with them. You're wrong. Look at this, Mr. President. A gun is dangerous only according to the man holding it. This gun is dangerous. You'll be caught. There's a guard right outside that door. There are guards all over the grounds. They didn't see me coming. The noise of a shot, Mr. President... I'm going to kill you. Why? You're my enemy. Our enemy. No. We've been striking for three months. Some of us for four. The bosses won't talk to us because you... Get no more credit at the company stores. No food. My brother's wife was going to have a baby. He's got a right to have a family, hasn't he? She got sick. Where's the doctor? Look for a doctor. No doctor. He couldn't take her to another town. I can ride rails, but she was sick and she was going to have a baby. Two days ago, she... She's not going to have a baby. You killed it, Mr. President. What can I say to you? What can I possibly say to you? It's late for that question. You've got to wait. Wait, wait, wait. What for? This. This will end the waiting. Maybe you want to pray. I have prayed. This is how it should be. Clear and clean. I can prove to you the delay is almost over. If I let you talk, you can prove anything. But today I took action to end the strike. I saw nothing in the papers. It won't be in the papers, not for ten days. Ten days? In two days, my brother's baby. Men representing you and your friends. They're coming here to the White House. They'll meet your bosses, the mine owners. I'd be a fool to believe it. Face to face, they'll settle the strike. They're going to find out what it's costing the whole country. 
What about us in the coal towns? We come first. We all come first. Fine words. We've heard them all. Let me prove to you what I say is true. By waiting ten days? No. Let me go into the next room. Oh, no, you don't. To get some papers to show you. You'll signal a guard. Uh, I don't know your name. Lofsky. Mr. Lofsky? Behind you is an open door to a small room where my daily records are kept. There's a large flat desk with several filing trays. In one of them are copies of two letters I wrote today. They're what I want you to see. Don't press any buttons. There aren't any in there. All right? All right. Walk past. Just to the door. Here? There. Down behind you. Walk ahead to that desk. It's about uh, one, two, three, four paces. All right. I'll get those left. You know, if I die, the vice president moves in here. That's the law. Yes, I remember that from school. He'd have to do about the same as I do, the same as I did about the strike. He wasn't our friend. He might not be our enemy. You know, people think the president of the United States is the most powerful man in the world. It isn't your power I'm thinking of. But there are lots of things a president can't do. Unless people break the law, he can't compel anybody to do anything. He can make a law. Only the people can do that. And here we are. Come back in this room. Careful. Oh, I'm being careful. Very careful. Put those letters down on the desk. Now step back. Further? Further, Mr. President. Now read the letters. I won't jump at you. I am reading. And I can see out of the corner of my eye. It's a good trick for a miner. I see a crack in a face. Drops of water. Crack in a piece of timber. I promise you I won't move. Gentlemen. Almost four months to strike. Strangling the nation. Many thousands of miners and their families face cold and hunger. These intolerable facts of human suffering outweigh all other considerations and lead me to take action. Tell me, Mr. Lovsky, do you think they'll come, your people? What? Why, it's... It's what we wanted, Mr. President. I... It's all right. It's all right. I'm not crazy, sir, but... My brother, his wife, everything, and it was... Wait, wait, wait. I know, I know. Call the guard, Mr. President. Rusty, uh, will you do me a favor? Favor, sir? Yes. Will you be going back home now? I uh, never expected to. I want you to. I want you to tell your friends what I'm doing. Only the miners. Tell them I'm not the friend who turned into an enemy. Make that plain, Lovsky. Say to them, I've seen the president and he is working hard to end the strike. Will you do that, Lovsky? Can I say, Mr. President, that you're on our side? Think a moment, Lovsky. I can't be on anybody's side now, can I? I have seen the president and he's working hard to end the strike. We wait only ten days. I only hope they believe you, Lovsky. Sometimes it's hard to make people believe you. Well, I... I'll be going now, Mr. President. I can catch a fast freight. No, 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 no. A presidential courier must travel properly. Will this be enough? Oh, why, yes, sir. Good night, Mr. President. 
Lasky. Lasky, not that way. What is that now? What in heaven's... Captain Drew, Captain! No, oh, come here, through the window, Captain, please! Oh, yes, yes, I see, I see. And what are you going to do with him, Captain? He goes to jail, sir. Uh, now, Captain, I want this man to leave as, as secretly as he came. And quickly, Captain. The message he carries is very urgent. Yes, yes, Mr. President. All right, young man, on your way. I'm very sorry. Goodbye, Mr. President. Good luck, Lofsky. Ah. Uh, oh, Miss Siri, I, I, I thought you'd gone hours ago. I've been working. Did you get your thinking done, Mr. President? Thinking? Oh, oh yes, yes, indeed. I didn't disturb you in there, did I? No, no, I, I didn't even realize you were there, or I... Uh, you must be very tired, Miss Siri. Oh, I always feel invigorated when I've finished a hard job, don't you? Usually, yes. But this evening, sometime, I... Well, I feel otherwise. You weren't disturbed in any way? No, oh, no. Everything was quiet? Miss Sherry, I, I'm really worried about you. You must be very tired. You're awfully anxious to get rid of me. No, no, no. Not, not really. Sit down. I'll, I'll send for some tea. Hmm? I could swear you've been upset by something. Don't you want to tell me? Don't you think you ought to? Sorry, I, I don't know what... Yes, come in. Mr. President, I... Oh, yes, Curry. Well, Curry, thanks for looking in. Everything is fine. Thank you, Curry. Good night, Curry. Now, Miss Sherry, I... Uh, pardon me, Mr. President. I just wanted to give you this. Oh, thank you, Curry. Thank you very much. Well, good night, Curry. Open it, Mr. President. Open it? Curry obviously hopes you will. Thank you, Miss Sherry. Hmm... <laughs> Mmm. Huh. Cookies. My wife wanted you to have them, sir. She was that grateful. Oh, oh, well, thank you very much, Curry. And don't mention it. By all means, don't mention it. I told her how you let me off. Oh, don't mention it, Curry. Don't mention it. Uh, anyway, uh, thank you, sir. Good night, sir. Good night. Miss Sherry, uh, have a cookie? Why wouldn't you tell me about Lovesky of your own accord? Ah, Miss Sarah, you were eavesdropping. You were afraid I'd be angry about Curry. I wish you'd take a cookie. Small boy, a little boy so pleased with his games that he doesn't care what he does with his life. His life that isn't his life. Well? I listened at the door, frozen stiff. Any sound would have set that gun off of us. I, I suppose that insane young man will worship you the rest of his days. Why, you're crying, Miss Sherry. Now, now I know what it means when they say enough to make the angels weep. And you are an angel, Miss Sherry. Oh, that isn't what I mean, and you know it. Can't stand another minute of it. I'm going home. Curry, if you ever move from here the rest of your life, I'll have you skinned alive. <laughs> Good night, Miss Sherry. <laughs> Thank you.
Yes, that's how it happened. All the coal fellows, both sides, met in the White House, the way I asked them to, and settled the strike. That was the first time they'd ever done a thing like that, and so we made a little progress. The next summer, we had Lofsky down for a visit, and he was getting along fine. Among other things, he told me his brother was expecting another baby. After that, too, I was careful not to be careless anymore about the gods. <laughs> I hated to see Miss Sarah get so upset. Well, have you figured out yet who I was when all that happened? It was in 1902, and it was Teddy Roosevelt who had my job. Yes, when Theodore Roosevelt was Mr. President. Drop in again next week, won't you? I've got another story, and I think you'll enjoy it. Good night. Mr. President, starring Edward Arnold, is presented each week by the American Broadcasting Company. Tonight's script was based on two incidents in the life of Theodore Roosevelt. This recording was directed by Charles Powers, with music composed and conducted by Bernard Green. Next week, Mr. President tells you about the ghost in the White House. Each episode of this program begins with a narrator introducing the show with some variation of the following. Mr. President, at home in the White House, the elected leader of our country, our fellow citizen and neighbor. These are the little-known stories of the men who have lived in the White House. Dramatic, exciting events in their lives that you and I so rarely hear. The true human stories of Mr. President. Each story was meticulously researched to present a true-to-life tale of the human side of the chief executive. The role of the president was voiced by Edward Arnold and was carefully written and played so the identity the pre president featured that week was not revealed until the very end of the episode, when he was addressed by name. This device was employed to encourage listeners to guess his identity. The series was written by Ira Marion, who was also responsible for Crime Does Not Pay, and featured some of the top performers of the period, among them B. Benaderet, Gil Stratton, Hans Conried, Lorene Tuttle, and Herb Butterfield. The announcer was Owen James. The series ran on ABC Radio from June 1947 to September 1953, with stories about presidents from George Washington to Calvin Coolidge. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week.